You're listening to The One Room with a View Show. With Christopher Preston and Dan Orton. Hello and welcome to The One Room with a View Show with myself, Christopher Preston, and joining me as always is... Donald Trump social media coordinator, it's Mr. Dan Alton. Wrong. <laughs> fake news. Hashtag fake news. Yeah, that's the one room with the view show. Never has that been so applicable to a media out there as our show. <laughs> fake news. Donald is a big fan. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> Huge. Huge fan. Love your work, boys. Right, talking of loving our work <laughs> and fake news and Donald Trump. Um, what is happening on today's I'm show? I'm glad you asked, Christopher. So, something old, something new this week. We're looking at Singing in the Rain and also La La Land, which is the latest from Damien Chazelle's second, I think, big film. So annoying. <laughs> That's <laughs> his second film. Come on. He's, he's very good. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> he's like our age as well. Uh, he's not, not that uh, much don't, older. Don't remind me. Yeah. Uh, hang on, wait. We've got our own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Donald Trump. What more do you want? Yeah, might not be sponsored by Donald Trump. Yeah, um, may possibly be appearing at the inauguration <laughs> because no other song. We're, we're going to be performing. Yeah, we're gonna be <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're doing something about something new, which is La La Land and Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain, not that much of an unusual choice to pick here. I know we usually go with films that are linked in some way to uh, the director or the writer or, or, or those starring in it. And originally, we did have uh, Crazy Stupid Love lined up, which was. Uh, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling's first collaboration mm. on screen. But then the sad news of Debbie Reynolds passing hit us and it made a lot more sense. And also, once you see La La Land, of course... It was so much. We'll talk it? about that more later, but it just it did make sense to pick Singing in the Rain as, as our Some Film Old this month. Also, you're going to be doing Some Film New Reloaded. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and you've seen Live by Night. Live by Night, the new Ben Affleck film. So yeah, yes. I'll be talking about that to you. Yeah. It's Affleck versus Affleck at the moment, isn't it? You know, Casey got, versus got, Ben. Yeah, there must be like a third brother that turns out to be a sister or something like that. <laughs> isn't the, isn't the third sibling always just the less successful one? Isn't it? Is that yeah, a, um, I think there's a Mitchell and Webb gag, isn't it, about the, the two the, the one that's always stuck the, the third Attenborough. Yeah, the, the <laughs> yeah. third Dimbleby. <laughs> no one I think that's Peep Show actually. <laughs> yeah, I think it's Peep Show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Wilbur Affleck. <laughs> he just. <laughs> we're bring, bringing back after I think has been far too long. We're bringing back Netflix Agoris. <laughs> yeah, my fa- I still think my favourite jingle, <laughs> Netflix Agoris. Yeah, and uh, you've also got a new witch. Dan said this, and it's all to play for. I think if I check my notes, we are. One all so far in the series. Perfect. Before we begin today's podcast as well, some of you might have noticed or long-term subscribers or downloaders or whatever you want to call yourselves, believers, <laughs> is that uh, we have kind of gone back to trying to bring out two podcasts a month. When we first began the podcast, we used to bring out one every two weeks, didn't yes. we? We're kind of going back to that now. Was one, one thing we noticed was, was a huge surge of people screaming mm. for more content from us yeah absolutely yeah that's been big <laughs> we've received at least one email uh, at least it. one email from and for, well, uh, from me to you i think and I'd say everything's relative that was big a big week for us getting uh, getting a, an email to podcast at one room with a view dot com <laughs> so uh yeah look out yes. for our you didn't edition. want it but you're getting it anyway much like trump <laughs> <laughs> let's just get on with this show yeah, let's go <laughs> Some 
<laughs> we have to keep that. <laughs> Some film old. Some film new. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Chris. Got there in the end. So there's something old there sounding, I think, a bit like Donald O'Connor yeah, in his yeah. last days. <laughs> something old, some film new, as I said at the top of the show. Singing in the Rain, 1952, that came out. But so surprisingly modern. This is the first time I think I might have ever seen this film, or at least was kind of a bit like stepping into an old memory. So I don't know if I saw it when I was very young, yeah. or if I've just cobbled my memories and knowledge of it through mm. popular culture popular, cultural references but, it, but it's wry humor felt almost at odds with how old the film ick <laughs> quality was yeah no, i, I couldn't believe how modern it, it felt it's a very modern film in that respect and, yeah. it, and which is incredible when you think about it i watched it this week it was a joy to go back and watch it so, i too haven't seen it since probably since i was a child the and, 50s. And <laughs> since the 50s since back, back in my childhood in the late 40s <laughs> i'm actually an extra in the film you can see me in the background that wouldn't surprise my me hand yeah um, see your umbrella <laughs> <laughs> umbrella three <laughs> no i, I saw this you and scoot mcnary <laughs> <laughs> I saw this as a as a kid. My mum was a big fan of musicals. I, we we were raised on on just watching. Because isn't musicals. your mum? She does like amateur dramatics. Yeah, yeah. She's, she doesn't not not anymore, yeah. but she used to do amateur dramatics and yeah. stuff. But she, you know, but there'd always be. Was she ever in Singing in the Rain? Or ah, she like... may have done. I don't know. Maybe that's why I saw it. Yeah. Um, that's but why you were in it. <laughs> I have very, yeah, very fond memories of... You know, like, Bono always sings that one line in Band-Aid. That was like you <laughs> with the umbrella. Yeah, I always have to be the third umbrella. Yeah. Poor Debbie Reynolds. She deserved better than she, this, didn't she? Did. she? Sorry, we'll, we'll take it. To, we'll be serious now. We'll be serious. So, yeah, no, an incredibly modern film. Very, I have very fond memories of it. Sid Charisse, who is the dancer in the in the in the Broadway ballet sequence, was one of my first crushes. I have very distinct memories of watching her on screen. And really, pulling, like just mine was Jet from the Gladiators. So it's like slightly different. <laughs> I think that yeah, she's umbrella five <laughs> in the film. Directed by Stanley Donan and Gene Kelly. Gene Kelly also starred in it, as the, and, and everyone, I think, listening to this will know the name Gene Kelly. Yeah, he's um, the bloke from the uh, Volkswagen advert. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know. Um, also starring Donald O'Connor. Didn't Gene Kelly basically create filmic dancing as we know it today? Like, isn't he kind of... Basically oh, yeah, he was, he was revolutionary that? at the yeah. time in the, way it, in the way it was filmed, in the way it was choreographed and there's loads of stories about singing in the rain i'm sure if we had brought tory tory brazier in here she'd be regaling us with all all the anecdotes and and, and tidbits of knowledge she has there's no that's one... why we couldn't allow her on the show <laughs> exactly yes we couldn't have <laughs> showing us up with as david expertise. brent says we allow people who are as or slightly less intelligent than us on this show not more never more <laughs> so sorry tory yeah there are loads of stories about uh, his uh, you know the, the hours of choreography and practice and rehearsal went into this and and the, the you know Debbie Reynolds bleeding feet and, and Gene Kelly being a bit of a tyrant. Although I, I hear that Gene Kelly was deliberately difficult throughout this to try and get himself released by the studios. Was, this was his way of them saying, you know what, fuck off, really? we've had enough. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but that was just a, he's great in it though, isn't he? There's Funny. something so charming about him. He's he's just he's the, one of the legends, and you can see why when you watch. You know him when people right? talk about someone having a bit of a spark or a glint in their eye? He literally seems to have a glint in his eye the whole way through. Absolutely, it's, it's a cheeky, there's the cheeky smile, endlessly watchable, all very charismatic, so handsome. Yes, like yes. very Annoyingly. strikingly handsome. He kind of reminded me a bit. 
you know, he plays Don Lockwood in Singing in the Rain, and, and we should very quickly go over the plot. Yes. It's kind of a bit of a... It's the godfather of films like The Artist and La La Land. Yeah. It's about a transition between one landmark in a medium and another, and kind of having to let go of the past to embrace the future, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Don Lockwood plays... Less abstractly, it's about a silent movie star who has to adjust to the advent of talkies. So the jazz singer has just been released... The, and that's um, a real life. And film. that's a real life film. Yes, yeah. So, yeah, so that, um, 1927 that came out. So that gives you that's that's when the film is set in the late 20s, early 30s. Gene Kelly plays Don Lockwood. He's a famous silent movie star. Then the talkies arrive, and it's all about you know his transition. How almost. do you adapt to that? And mm. his co-star Lena Lamont, who you know they're, they're, these two are they're like Hollywood's. They're like Angelina before yeah, the yeah. breakup. She, <laughs> she like Brangelina before Allied. <laughs> she's got the most dreadful voice. Jean, uh, Jean, uh, Jean Hagen, who plays her, has a, a wonderful voice in real life, and you yeah. actually hear because she's from Chicago, wasn't she? Yeah, and but she plays a New Yorker in this, but, and, and she, it's your typical it's a typical New t- York horrible broad. screechy. She sounds like Joe Pesci for most of it. <laughs> Joe Pesci after a helium balloon. So yes, it's, uh, there's a lot of humour to be mined in that, and it's about how. Lockwood, together with Donald O'Connor's Cosmo Brown and Debbie Reynolds, in her debut role, she was 19 when she had this, when she got this part, of, mm-hmm. um, of Kathy Selden, how they decide to create, turn a silent movie into a musical film. Because the silent, and, yeah, the film that they're going to make, The Julian Cavalier, is Don Lockwood's debut in talkies, and it's dreadful, essentially, because of all of these yes. kind of misdemeanors. Well, they haven't, quite grasped, they haven't quite grasped the, the sound tech, technology. Yeah. It, it's... It's so funny. So what? In order to save it, they have to turn it into a musical. Yeah. But obviously, the snag is Lina that Lamont can't Lina Lamont sing. Can't sing. Can't even really talk. But has this magnificent ego, like this proper diva, yes. Mariah Carey of New Year's Eve in New York <laughs> City kind of ego. Sabotage. Sabotage. Thank you, Lena. <laughs> yes, that was Gene Hagen there, back from the grave. <laughs> Should we juxtapose it with La La Land? Let's introduce yes, so, La La Land. So, yeah, La La Land, this came out, I mean, it, it premiered at London Film Festival last year. In the UK, yeah. general release here in the UK. Uh, now. Now, as of recording, it came out yesterday, I think, or a couple of days ago. And this is basically, I think, Damien Chazelle's ode, ode to that era of, uh, of, of Hollywood. The, yeah, the, 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 the era of, of Hollywood musicals, this sort of marrying of fantasy and realism and reality and musical yeah yeah and and and, and it's it's a love letter really for, from from Damien Chazelle to i think the likes of singing in the rain and one of the things that first hit me watching la la land was there were you know you see there is a bit of singing in the rain in there there's a bit of an american in paris there's a, there's a bit of top hat Chazelle himself i think cites that he got a lot of inspiration from the umbrellas of Cherbourg um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've never seen the film. You are, um, yeah. Well, there's but... loads of different references. In towards the, the latter sequence, the very last sequence, which is the probably the most resplendent sequence in the entire film, you'll know what yes. I'm talking about. Yeah, the there's even piece. there's loads of li- different nods to old films during yes. that. And I and it was only in the second viewing that I noticed that there's a nod to the red balloon. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, almost yeah. as if they walk past the kid. Yeah, yeah. There's and I thought there's just and, uh, I, I love Hepburn's we both love that stuff, don't we? We love those little tiny Easter eggs to be yeah. found. But I mean that whole. Uh, that whole ending sequence, that sort of, what is it, five minutes, I think? Probably even more. Might maybe, be a bit more yeah. than that. I mean, it's, it's, it carries you along so nicely. But that is an American in Paris famously ended with a 20-minute ballet sequence because they didn't have an ending. They didn't have, they ran out of script or something. Or they just said, right, well, let's just make, and they just went with this completely abstract, very contemporary for the time, very, like, risky. Let's just have this weird 
ballet dream sequence to finish the film. Well, this the, and, the, and, and it's just there's, I found that, nice that that final sequence there. was very much a love letter directly to Singing in the Rain and the whole Broadway got a dance. Um, yes, I mean, yeah, the yeah. colours as well. Um, so, the colours yeah. that uh, the production design use in La La Land is very reminiscent of the colours you see in these old musicals. I mean, you know, when these films were coming out, they technically, burst, and, don't they? Yeah, they there's, pop. there's red and blue and green, and, and it's all very deliberate and very eye catching. Yeah. Um, so Emma Stone plays Mia, a, a jobbing uh, actress slash barista yes. in the Warner Bros. studio lot, and she's as she's got this talent, but she just can't find a break. And juxtaposing that is Ryan Gosling's Sebastian, who is a jazz pianist who is stuck firmly in the past and cannot and will not embrace the future of jazz. He sees it as a medium that he loves and adores. It's a revolutionary medium, but Mm. he feels like it's being bastardised and old jazz is dying out. Yes, it's all very meta, isn't it? (laughs) And they kind of, they meet each other and this relationship begins to explode and catch light very quickly. But I think uh, it's always out of time. And it is a musical. If people hadn't already cottoned on to that fact, it is, you know, there are original songs and an original score Mm. and it's, it's... And characters just stop to sing. Yeah, people, you know, people just break out into something. My dad would hate it. Yeah. Um, I thought of your dad when I watched it again. This is the second time I watched it. I saw it first at London Film Festival, watched it again in prep for the podcast, and both times I thought John Orton would hate this film. <laughs> because it's, 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 if there are spectrums of musical, La La Land is on the kind of maybe more vanilla side. Mm. I don't think it embraces its musicality as much as something like Singing in the Rain, for example, which yeah. is an out-and-out musical. Yes, which actually I would say I, I, I count as a... A criticism to La La Land. I was rather hoping it would embrace it fully. They didn't seem to be... But it does at the beginning. I think in the first third, every other yeah. line is almost musical. It starts yes. off with that wonderful, just another day. Uh, yeah, yeah, another day of sound. Another day of sun. And then it moves on, and then you, you meet uh, Mia's character, and then she starts singing, and then all of her girlfriends start singing, and there's that very much that kind of 50s musical feel of the girls out on the town. And it ends in that wonderful spinning nausea sequence in the swimming pool. And then it fades out for a little while and then it comes yes. back and then it fades out almost woozy it's a woozy musical in mm. that way a I, woozical I mean I don't know if that was done deliberately or whether it was done because of the constraints of the star's abilities they're not you know, musical you know, talents Gene, Gene Kelly Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds and Donald O'Connor were known for I mean Gene Kelly was a dancer and Debbie Reynolds was I think learned to dance specifically for but you know she was a new talent. But Gene Kelly at least was was an established dancer. Donald O'Connor was an established vaudeville performer and and uh, an actor at the time. That sequence they do with the fiddles is still one of my favourite sequences. <laughs> uh, it's I know it's supposed to be about like he says dignity always dignity yeah. and you see these horrible <laughs> yes. kind of se- sequences afterwards to take the mickey out of that. But what they do with those fiddles, <laughs> honest to God, is like Brent's got a talent winner or something. <laughs> it's so great. O'Connor's rendition of Make Him Laugh. Make him laugh. I mean, just make him laugh. The physicality of that man. I mean, it's all. I mean, there's no reason make him laugh needs to be in the film. <laughs> really, it doesn't serve the plot in any way. It's just it takes away platform. from the plot. It's a platform for Donald O'Connor to so do what Donald O'Connor did best, which was kick through walls. <laughs> which is like an early onset Terminator. It's incredible physical comedy. You know, make him laugh. Make him laugh. <laughs> Why must you bastardize <laughs> these things? <laughs> I'll take you in Giselle. 
<laughs> so you might remember Damien Chazelle, I was going to say from another podcast, but we spoke about Whiplash in episode 13, I believe. Yes, his debut film. And this guy is such a talent. One thing we need to talk about in terms of La La Land, we will come back onto Singing in the Rain, I'm sure we've still got bags of time to talk about it yet. Mm. Uh, we need to talk about the critical reaction to La La Land, because you and I have been sitting in a room together for, I think it's seven... It'll be seven years this year talking about films. Not, not consecutively. <laughs> <laughs> We've not been things in here. This isn't an SOS. Ongoing. Please help us. <laughs> no, it's uh, we, 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 our broadcasting relationship yes. has been seven years this year. Yeah. In November of this year, Dan. And I don't think I've ever seen a film so euphorically accepted to the popular zeitgeist bosom as I think La La Land has been. You know what it reminded me of to begin with? And I'm going to sound incredibly cynical about all this mm. um, now, is uh, 2011's The Artist. The Artist, yeah. Now, uh, but, but however, I've not seen... that. I mean, that was a very... Th- that reaction, as you say, the sort of overwhelmingly positive reaction was mainly from critics and... Very like the lovies, the yeah, you know, and 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 people who I think consider themselves film aficionados. Yeah, La La Land has not, been taken. Not Friday Night Film in not no, no, no. La La Land has been taken. But I mean, I was at a you know, I was trying to book a ticket tickets to see it last night. Um, La La. Stuff. All the showings at Clapham Picture House yeah. were were full. Managed to managed to get another uh, managed to get tickets eventually at a at a cinema in Stratford. I thought you were going to say you just stood on a box with some binoculars. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, eventually we uh, Andrew and I went to Picture House in Stratford, but and that was there were people people were queuing outside. People were, it, they had no allocated seating, so people were getting there at half an hour. <laughs> just before. a huge punch up. People get but people were crowding around the door waiting for the the previous showing to end and like literally like wanting to get in and get a seat before wow. and it, Empire and it, Strikes Back. It was Style. mental, and I heard one guy getting tickets, asking at the kiosk if there were still tickets, and she said, yeah, we've got about 19 seats left, and he said, oh, good, because I rang up Picture House the day, and they said, you have basically, you have no chance of getting in to see it tonight, any Picture House in London, because wow. they're all booked, which is, which is quite, I've not seen that for a film like La La Land in, ever, but... I get to di- I digress slightly, but that's um, still a po- it's still an important point. It mirrors the fact that when I went to see it at the London Film Festival, I had to be outside the Odeon Leicester Square. So yeah. I think that's like the flagship I do in the yeah, UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to be out of there at before eight AM to queue for a return ticket because, as with all things, I'm not a BFI member myself. So the BFI members usually flood the tickets. Yeah, 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 yeah. I managed to get a ticket, but only because I started queuing at something like five to eight in the morning. Never seen anything like it before. It's quite, it's quite something, and but I was reminded of the artist, and I say that because, and I and I, and I base this on the success that La La Land has so far got. You know, the golden it's swept up by the Golden Globes. It's got all these BAFTA nom- eleven BAFTA nominations. It's probably going to make a, a good showing at the Oscars. Without you know, imagine if it did an estimate. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can make an educated guess that it will. Deadpool gets a best pick nom, but no La La Land. <laughs> but it's because. I mean, and this, I'm going to touch on sort of Hollywood's navel-gazing slightly. You know, the artist did incredibly well because it was about Hollywood and it was because it was this, uh, you know... it was Birdman as it well. Was, it was novel in that sense. It was novel thing, you know, a silent movie coming out in the, in the noughties. That's, that's mental. We haven't done a silent movie in, in years. It's a museum piece, worked. isn't it, almost? Now La La Land comes out. And it's almost as if Damien Chazelle has looked back at what the reaction was to that and gone, well, what can we do? You know, a silent movie did so well. Yeah. Oh, you know what they don't do anymore? Movie musicals. People don't do that. 
let's do that. And they filmed it in a way that is very reminiscent. The cinematography is very reminiscent of these old 50s musicals. The production design And is... even the, uh, the actors, Gosling cuts a, a very kind of eternal figure as yes. Sebastian, and yeah. same with Emma Stone as Mia. True, true. Yeah, they're very, I mean, yeah. She yeah, they that. have iPhones, they have like trinkets and everything for the millennial age, but they are both quintessentially mm. eternal characters. Yeah. You could place them in any era and that story would work. Absolutely, I agree. And there's one that actually leads me on to my only criticism of La La Land, which is the casting of John Legend, which I felt was a little cheap and it did pull me out of the story because I know who John Legend is. He's yeah. a very, very famous musician. <laughs> yes. So to have him play in, and he's not an actor, and I think La La Land shows that he's not an actor, he's not going to make that leap, but to have him as the front man of Gosling's band that he ends up kind of flitting in and out of just really threw me out. It, mm. uh, I think it dates the film in a way that other, every other aspect it wasn't, doesn't. It was an odd choice, I admit, mainly because Legend had to learn how to play the guitar for the role. So it's not as if they... I mean, I thought maybe they chose him because he's a musician. Oh, I didn't know that. Legend That's is, irritating Legend me a, even more. Legend is a classically trained pianist. Pianist, yeah. I'll play Sebastian <laughs> so, or no one. So it's like, you know, he would have been a obvious <laughs> choice for Seb, surely. But but they cast him as a character who needs to know, he didn't know how to play guitar, so he had to learn how to play That irritates guitar. me even more. Ryan Gosling, meanwhile, had to learn how to play piano in three months, piano in like that. a few weeks. Yeah. Bloody dog, I mean... Oh, he's, he's amazing. Yeah. He, he, they, they shot it the way that, you know, and as Chazelle wanted to shoot it like these old musicals did which was you know they didn't have that much film to, to to waste so a lot of things were filmed in one takes and you know continuous takes as well and there's a lot of that in this I mean there's a lot of very there's some subtle cutting in between what are supposed to be one takes I can imagine film. yeah um, but he wanted to film it that way so Gosling had to learn how to do it without you know they couldn't use a hand double because it was all going to be him in one in one frame <laughs> John Legend Presumably can stay in, in. Well, John Legend wouldn't be a good dad. No, <laughs> some setbacks to that. Setbacks. Uh, right. Oh, okay. Yeah. What these two films get right are sequences, though, and I hope that La La Land. I think La La Land is going to end up becoming one of these modern classics. I think it will be one of those films that we look back on in a few years and still remember it very, very fondly. Uh, I know that some people are already, and there are rumblings within our website that are saying it is going to become the next artist. But you know what? Sod you all. I think it's going to be a real, real modern classic. And I think it's because it gets sequences right. There are at least two transcendently beautiful sequences. And that is the sequence that is set in the... Oh, forgotten the what planetarium. Yeah. That is set within the planetarium mm. where they kind of share a dance and they end up quite beautifully like ascending into the sky and, and yeah. in a dance sequence. And what we spoke about before, that final 10 final, minutes or yeah. so. That ends kind of brings the film all together. And I think it's those sequences that we are going to... That's why that makes it such... Yes. I think it's going to be such a memorable that, film. That sequence was very good. I particularly liked their first duet after the party. And they're looking out across the... the and they sing about how the views are waste on them. Because oh, yeah. It, that's, that was... The, it, was, it, was my, it was quite a comedic song. And that's the part that um, the poster is taken from with the... You know, like where they do yeah, the dance. Yeah, yeah. Do, yeah. And, and, and it's a nice bit of... <laughs> Dan and I actually just both performed that dance, I should say. There, yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a good... It's a good performance from people from actors who aren't known as they're not dancers yeah. and they're not singers and there's something quite I did quite like the fact that I enjoyed the imperfections of these two people singing I think that was... which are only made more noticeable if you've watched Singing in the Rain either directly before or directly <laughs> after the film yes. because yeah. they're the what Gene Kelly and his his cast do 
is nothing short of magical. Like some of those sequences in in singing. You in the watch rain. those dance sequences, and you wonder if I mean, you, how they contort their bodies in the, that fashion, how they make it look so effortless. effortless, like and how anyone's legs can do that. But also the noises they make. I'm always, I've always been kind of in awe of tap dancing because yeah, of yeah. how satisfying the noise is as well, <laughs> yes. and the kind of noise, this almost instrument that they create from it, and. I, I don't know, I, I feel like you can't enjoy cinema without falling in love with films like Singing in the Rain because they are just so timeless, so wonderful, so happy. Yeah. And that's the other thing that La La Land is. It's so refreshingly, boldly happy. Do you think and, so? Because I think uh, the underlying message is... No, and i tell you sacrifice why. Sacrifice relationships for your dreams. See, I think that La La Land's <laughs> all about compromise, okay? Yeah. And I think that when... When do you feel most heat? It's when you've been cold. When do you feel most fed? It's when you've been hungry. And I think that La La Land knows that you are at your happiest once you've been sad. And that, that's why that last sequence is so bittersweet. Mm. Because it is, it's happiness with a slight edge, a slight slither of lemony sadness at the same time. And I think that's why. I think that La La Land is a very boldly happy film that is kind of about compromise as well and, and how far you'll compromise. And the message is, can you have everything? And I think his answer is the answer no. Is no, the answer is a resounding no, I mm. think. Um, as you say, it leaves the film on a bittersweet uh, But the happiness note. that Sebastian and Mia feel is no less diminished later on, I don't think, do you? Like, they still had that moment. Yeah, no, no, I think, yes, I think that, yeah. They and still, La La Land they still had that, and they never, they never won't have that. Mm. Um, Which I suppose ties into that, that meta nature of it. You know, we've had Singing in the Rain, maybe things have moved on, but we've still got Singing yes, in the Rain. Yes, as I was saying, I noted very briefly earlier that Chazelle seems to have written a very meta script here. There's even a point in the script, I think, where Mia is talking about her one-woman play, and she says, what do you think of the script? You don't think it's too nostalgic, do you? I don't want them people to think it's too nostalgic. And, and uh, Seb, Sebastian says back to all, well, who cares if it is? That's yeah. the, that's the that's point the of point it. Of that's it. the point. It's almost like you could have turned to the camera. <laughs> and said, that's the point of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, John Legend in the background. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just blatantly struggling a guitar. guitar yeah. <laughs> Playing chopsticks however, on a guitar in the background. <laughs> <laughs> however, I disagree with you that this will be... A classic we'll remember okay. 50 years from now as we do with Singing in the Rain. I just, I don't feel it'll have that much of an impact. I do think it might be a little bit like the artist. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is that idea of the kind of Star Wars effect of coming back and my, I'm in that warm bath of nostalgia at the moment. Mm. We, are a, we are a generation obsessed with nostalgia. The whole internet yes. and meme culture is forever drawing us back to this idyllic, or semi-idyllic time in the 90s where we're sitting in front of CBBC with a bag of crisps watching... Can you blame us? No, the world you're, is you're terrible. Right. We've, yeah. we've inherited an awful economy. Yeah, you're <laughs> and, right. And all, the, all people can say to millennials to sort of counter that <laughs> as well. Watch La La Land. Well, stop, yeah, watch La Land. Get off your phone and, uh, you know... <laughs> and go and sit and watch La La Land for, for two hours. Like, you know, just getting off Twitter will solve all of our economic anxieties. So, but yeah, we're tweeting about that. Nostalgia is a proven sort of medicine to that, that you know... I think this that leads us quite nicely into Bob's, doesn't it? Yes, in a way. Where, where do you want to start? Singing in the Rain. Let's go or something else. It's got to be five Bob. I of course it's anything, a five Bob. I can't feel anything is, other than a heathen. This film is a... It's, it's, I it think Jim Kelly would tap the out of his grave <laughs> if I was to say anything less. And onto our heads. Um, <laughs> Donald who? <laughs> Uh, Gene Kelly is incredibly watchable. All, as I say, all three of them are incredibly watchable. It was a, it's a revolutionary film. It's, it's bright. It's colourful. It's, 
It's laugh out loud funny. It's insanely funny. Um, and I don't mean that in a kind of sycophantic with... way no, no, of like, no, no. oh, you know, weren't they funny back then, it's Dan? Those, those it's simple ge- 50s folk. No, it genuinely it is, is very wry, as you said, it? very witty. And, and But also there are laugh, laugh out loud moments. Laugh out loud Lol moments. Lol moments. moments. Sorry, yes. I'm a millennial, of course. Yeah, of course. Lol moments. Yeah. Uh, Do you want I a bag was, of crisps? I was ruffling. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare is on the telly on in a minute, if you fancy it, with Raven. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's still remembered to this day. You mentioned all the... You said you couldn't be sure if you'd seen it before or you just were sort of working off of a whole bunch of pop culture references. Absolutely. You know, that's, the, that's, the, that's an amazing badge of honour, I think, for any piece of artistic work that we still... It is respected today. It's used by filmmakers today, littered for, to, to put into their films to influence what the stuff they're making. And I think we'll still be talking about it another 20, 50 years from now. We, we might not be. We'll, we'll be dead. We, we probably will. But, you know, people will still be talking about Singing in the Rain 50 years from now, which segues nicely into my opinion of La La Land. I don't know if we'll still be talking about La La Land 50 years from now. But to use La La Land's overwhelming message i don't care because we've got la la land today <laughs> all right yes no, we've got a, la la like, land that's today. a good that's a good way around it cheers damien <laughs> thanks a lot bud <laughs> yeah i'm going to go five bob with la la land because i don't feel like i've been so emotionally overpowered by a film in quite a few years in fact i think this is one of my favorite films from the last maybe however yeah. long we've been doing this and i really euphorically enjoyed it and having seen it at the LFF, when the reviews were just beginning to chuck, 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 chuck along, I was thinking when I saw it again last night, I thought, you know what? I don't know if I've put this in a pedestal in my mind. I don't know if the, the overwhelmingly brilliant reviews are going to actually dampen this. And it didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, a colleague of mine at work is Canadian, and she said her dad hates films. He never goes to the cinema. He, he never got the intention span. And he came out of it saying that La La Land is one of, one of if not his favourite film of all time. And I think if it can bring someone into the, the fold of cinema, yeah. then then good luck to it. And my girlfriend, slash fiancé, whatever we want to call it. Um, what do you mean whatever? She is your fiancé. I know, I just engaged. don't know the word. <laughs> I don't know the word. Whatever we okay, want. Okay, all right. My fiancé. <laughs> the old ball and chain. She falls asleep in every film, okay? Yeah. And she stayed awake for the whole thing. So there you go. I was not as blown away as you were, I don't okay, think. Okay, fair enough. I, I know you said when you first saw it that I was going to love it. No. I, well, I liked it a lot. <laughs> I think I, I, I think it's certainly a, a novel film to bring out. You know, this the, the, let's let's have let's do a modern day Hollywood musical mm. in LA about LA, <laughs> about, you know, about how terrible that place can be, but also how magical it can be. That kind of, and again that that all ties into it gets this, that balance that ties into it? the fantasy and realism of musicals in general. It's all that's very clever. And yes, some of the sequences were stand out. I thought it was a little bit over long, a touch on the longer side. As I said, I wanted them really to embrace the musical. I would have quite happily taken the tone and the opening number all the way through. That was great. Um, there are moments when it didn't. So I'll give it four. I also don't know, you know, I know people being, you know, Emma Stone got a Golden Globe, Ryan Gosling's got a Golden Globe, and they'll get nominations for various other award ceremonies. But they're really, they, I, say, I was saying this to Anya last night, they... This is their shtick, this whole kind of goofy charm thing they do. They're just doing it with music now. I don't know if we should be lauding them too much. It's not like, uh, to quote, you know, to use Damien Chazelle's previous film as an example, it's not like J.K. Simmons, who kind of went bloody mental on screen. blew the film up. He's also very, so just to say, we've got to make sure he, his little cameo in La La Land is also brilliant, particularly the callback at the end. (laughs) It's so great. But yeah, so um, five and four then. Four, yeah, I'll give it four. To give it anything less than four, I think, would be would be rude. 
it's not a masterpiece. It's not. It's not it a. Is, fire, it is a it's not a firebob film. I think it wants it to be a firebob. It is a firebob film. All right. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree. All right. See that I am right. See you in a bit. Which Dan said this? Pithy. I love that title. I've you know, never. It took me, a, took me a while to come up with. But you know when you feel like you break the back of something, you know? Mm. It's like... Yeah, it's You're like, the Damien Chazelle. I was going to say, it's like the La La Land singing in the rain, perhaps. Right, OK. Perhaps. Uh, perhaps. <laughs> very quickly, do you want to explain this feature? Yes, yeah, so this uh, feature, it, it was introduced last season or a couple of seasons ago in the podcast. and it was, In a it's, slightly different Its guys. original iteration was which Chris said this. As you can see, all the words kind of rhyme. Yeah. And I challenged Christopher every uh, every show. I gave him three famous Christophers or Chris's or Christina's, mm. and I gave you one quote, and you simply had to attribute the quote to the correct Christopher. Yeah. So in a reboot of that, uh, you're just gonna. I'm gonna give you a quote from some famous Daniels, Daniels, Dannys, etc., mm-hmm. and you're gonna do more or less exactly the same. Same thing. Okay. So should we go straight away? Yeah, go for it. Right. Okay. <clears throat> so quotation. Mm-hmm. I dare say it was still considered to be an abandonment of England. A betrayal. A heresy. It's not expected that someone from my background will leave England. But I've committed so many heresies that there's no sense in not making the final gesture. Sounds like a Jane Austen quote. Okay, so here are your three Daniels. Right, yeah. Daniel Craig. Okay. Daniel Mm Day-Lewis. And Danny Dyer. Do you want the quote again? Yeah, yeah, go for it. I dare say it was still considered to be an abandonment of England. A betrayal. A heresy. It's not expected that someone from my background will leave England. But I've committed so many heresies that there's no sense in not making the final gesture. See, I can't imagine Danny Dyer ever using the word heresy or abandonment. You know that he or... was related to a king. Yeah, but... That... <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he now pulls points in the Queen Vic, mate, so... <laughs> I'm trying to picture Danny Dyer saying that. I'd love the abandonment. Yeah, the, and heresy. And her, it was, you know, I've committed so many heresies. So many. Well, if, <laughs> if the cap fits. <laughs> um, it's a difficult one. It is. I it tried is a to one. give you a I've little bit more. Committed so many that anyone like me would leave England. Isn't Daniel Day Lewis Irish? No, he's not. Do you want me to read it one more time? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I dare say it was still considered to be an abandonment of England. A betrayal. A heresy. It's not expected that someone from my background will leave England. But I've committed so many heresies that there's no sense in not making the final gesture. Sorry, my my voice was wobbling a little bit with laughter there because I was going to do it as Danny Dyer. (laughs) (laughs) A clue, perhaps. So he did something that might be an abandonment of England. He, he left an heresy. <laughs> he left England. Someone in my position would ever leave England. Is England a country, an ideal, a principle, a role? All right, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> well, fight you all on the beaches. <laughs> oh, you know what that is. A... What's your thought process? What's going on in that mind at the moment? Well, it, it, it's horribly snobbish of me, but I'm openly a snob, and yeah. I just don't. Really, I'm, I'm dismissive. <laughs> you, you. Surprise, contrary to popular belief, I am a massive snob, yeah. and I'm I'm dismissing Danny. Dyer. This could come to bite, to bite me on the arse. I'm dismissing Danny Dyer offhand because of the word. Because he's a peasant. Because in he's your a, opinion, he's a Cockney white boy, and yeah. I don't think you know. If it's something my dad would never say, it's something. Although then again, this is, could be a clever double bluff. Maybe Danny Dyer did say it could be considered an abandonment of England. 
The use of England over Britain is interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my brains wherever Dan This Day is the most Lewis difficult was one. This was, this was me trying to show you I've got game because a few of the other ones I've given you have just been <laughs> absolute. I think the Danny Trejo well, one Danny was saying this is Danny Trejo before. Danny Trejo has said this. Yeah. But where do they go? What do they? I mean, I mean, Daniel Craig and Daniel Lewis have both had very successful international careers, Hollywood careers, obviously. Yeah. Danny Dyer hasn't. What would he have done abroad that could have been considered a heresy? Hooliganism. Some sort of football <laughs> crime. Eh? <laughs> yeah, just the, sat in a Malaga jail. <laughs> I will... This is the most... This is difficult. So I'm going to take a punt on it. I'm going to go with it. I, Sir Daniel Day-Lewis is my answer. Is there a reason for that? Not at all. Okay. Just a wild stab in the dark. You've managed to connect with flesh. It was Daniel Day Lewis, yes. so well done. Okay, excellent. Daniel Day Lewis said that. What, you, what was the context? You, you know? were you were right at the beginning. You should have held on to your gut feeling. He is Irish. Yeah, and so oh, okay. it was his taking the Irish citizenship up. So that's what the quotation was. Oh, about. okay. So for the last time, I dare say it was still considered to be an abandonment of England, a betrayal, a heresy. It's not expected that someone from my background will leave England. But I've committed so many heresies that there's no sense in not making the final. And that was about him taking Irish citizenship. That it was. Ah, so two one. Two one. There you two go. Two one to me. All right. Well, well done. Until the next time. Dan dan dan. Oh dear. I've committed so many heresies <laughs> that there was no sense in not making the final one. <laughs> Some film new. Reloaded. Such a. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> I have committed so many heresies. I will. I will you dwell can't upon keep these at some point. That. Yeah, <laughs> I can't keep using DDL as my defence lawyer. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Live by Night. This Dan. is Ben Affleck's new. He wrote it, didn't he? He wrote and directed it. He wrote and directed and starred. So sung the theme tune. <laughs> he did everything. Live by Night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta dance. <laughs> so this is his fourth film after Gone Baby Gone. Mm. Then he followed that up, obviously, with The Town. Then he went to Argo and now Live yeah. By Night. Now, I've not seen Live By Night, but I do know that he's got better with each film as it's gone along. Yeah. So is this continuing the trend? This is the drop stitch, I'm afraid, ah. in the trend. It's not. I read a review recently of Live By Night, which is out now, by the way, which is why we're, I'm speaking to you about it now. So if you do want to go and see the Renaissance. Uh, crumble, <laughs> then you'll, you'll want to go and see it in cinemas now. I read someone recently said that Ben Affleck's directorial career is an evidence for the law of diminishing returns, which I'm not entirely satisfied by that critique, because as you said, he does seem to have got better. And I like Ben Affleck yeah, a lot, yeah, no, actually. I, do. yeah. I don't really understand the criticisms behind him. I think that Still proffering the likes of Daredevil is such a juvenile argument. You know, it was, what, the early 2000s. We're now in the mid... I don't know what we'd call these, the teenies. Mid the tens, to late, I The think tens, whatever you want tens. to call it. It seems ridiculous to still hold a man accountable in terms of film for stuff that he made 17, 18 years ago. Talk to Hillary Clinton about that. Yeah, no, to <laughs> totally. It just seems crazy. And the fact that he's done so well, and I think he is a filmmaker who cares about his craft... Live by Night is a hubristic endeavour. That's what I said okay. in my review on the website. Right. It's someone who perhaps has bitten off more than he can chew. It looks. It basically takes from every major gangster film you can think of in the last 40 years. What's the plot? The sorry, plot just... is The Godfather Part 2, but to a diminished effect. Okay. So right. effectively what happens is that Ben Affleck plays a kind of fairly low-level bank robber who ends up 
having an affair with the local mobsters bit on the side, all right? And that mobster is played by Robert Glenister. Okay. Right? And he plays this Irish mobster in Boston, obviously, you know, yeah. like Ben Affleck's mecca, essentially. Um, without trying to... There are so many subplots bubbling underneath, and that's why it kind of ends up tearing itself apart from the inside, that Ben Affleck's character has this affair with this mistress. That becomes knowledge to the mobster who tries to bump them both off. Right. Ben Affleck's character, Joe Coughlin ends up aligning with the Italian mob to try and get revenge. He's posted down to Florida to try and follow this mobster down there and effectively take over the gin racket from the Cubans there, and mayhem ensues. Of course. Except it doesn't. It just never really picks up. It, it's really great at the beginning. You feel like it's going to be one of these classic fedora-wearing, cigar-smoking, violin-playing odes to gangster films. Yeah, yeah, but it yeah. just ends up becoming a lot more of what you've seen before, but again, to use it for the third time, to diminished effect. It's, it never really takes flight. It should have been a TV miniseries. I think if they'd have actually sold the idea, it's Dennis Lehane novel it's based upon, and I think that if they'd have ended up selling it to maybe as a six-part or even a four-part miniseries to the likes of HBO yeah. or AMC or Showtime or something like that, you would have found it to be a lot more epic, in, dare I say, a lot more restrained, and something that would have made a lot more sense. Instead, it ricochets across decades with loads and loads of different characters with their own little stories going on, none of which end up coming really to a satisfactory conclusion. Mm. And it ends up wasting the likes of Brendan Gleeson, Elle Fanning from The Neon Demon last year. Yeah. She kind of flits in and out. Chris Cooper, who's you know one of the best supporting actors perhaps ever, he kind of comes in and out of it. And all it ends up becoming, unfortunately, and this idea of hubris comes back, is the Ben Affleck show. Right. And... That means not only in his acting, but also in his directorial efforts. Whereas things like Gone Baby Gone, The Town and Argo are arguably quite small stories. Even Argo, which transcends this diplomacy across the Middle East and the West, it's still based on a handful of people yeah, in yeah, a room, yeah. essentially. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Live By Night ends up becoming this sprawling story of Irish versus Italian kind of via Cuban mobsters all in this melting pot of 1920s America with car chases and robberies and revenge and love and romance and lust and marriage and kinship and children all thrown in via this almost Pentecostal preaching of Christianity and all one minute this happens, then that's not happening, and this happens, and then that's not happening. And oh, by the way, do you remember this bit? And it just doesn't come up to any really satisfactory conclusion. It's sad more than anything else mm. because Ben Affleck isn't a well, you know, I, I know he's only really brought out three films before this, but he feels like an accomplished director. He can clearly, he's not a flash in the pan. I love him as an actor most of the time. I still think he's possibly the best Batman we've seen. Which is we even haven't seen the Lego Batman? Yet. No, no, no. That's why I'm kind of <laughs> holding fire on that. But he's still the best. Well, I think he's still the best Batman we've seen. Which is an even better effort in that Batman v Superman isn't the best Batman film we've ever seen. Yes. So Live by Night does end up becoming a little bit flat and and more of a bit a bittersweet, I suppose, endeavor. It's not all bad, but it's mm. not great. It never once gets to be great. One to wait for the DVD then, or maybe more one to wait until it comes onto Netflix. To be honest with you, I wouldn't. I, I certainly don't want to watch this film again. I don't think it's going to be one of those films where you're like, maybe if I see it a second time, I'll start to get it. 
it's just so busy that yeah. it there's massive holes begin to show very very quickly and oh. as i say it's it's quite a long film for what what you get back he had a good run he did have a good run and i still think he will make great films i just think this is a drop stitch in the tapestry of ben affleck's filmography he needs to move away from similar types of films and they're all i mean argo perhaps not but the other the other films are very much like they're crime boston based films and the way that he captures 20s Boston is actually quite cracking compared to the limp Floridian 20s, which he seems to put no effort into at all. <laughs> I still am holding out for Ben Affleck's Batman film. Mm. I still think... I'm not sure Florida has changed much since the 20s, actually. I don't think so either, but I still I still wish he'd put a little... It basically was Boston with some, you know, Ambry Solaire and Capri Sun in the background. <laughs> he could have gone a little bit more than just injecting a little bit of vitamin C into the East Coast of America. That's the only difference. Between... I've been to both those places. Yeah, <laughs> the only difference... <laughs> He's orange juice. So, uh, yeah, two Bob. Two Bob. Two Bob, but it is in cinemas now. You might want to go and see it out of curiosity. It must be the lowest rating of any Ben Affleck film. It is quite comfortably the worst directorial outing. Comfortably the worst. Because the others are are four Bob films. Yeah, yeah, they're all great. But yeah, this is comfortably the worst. (laughs) Netflixagories. Netflix. Netflix agories. Netflix agories. Yes, so this is the great powerful jingle there, really introducing. Yeah. Excellent. Welcome to Netflix Agories is is our little game. We love our games. Don't we, we do love our games. This is this is a fun one, I think. One of my one of my favorite ones. Yeah, same. And we haven't done it for ages, so it's really nice that it's back and it's very silly. So bear with us. <laughs> the basic premise for those of you who haven't heard the show before is that um, we watch a lot of Netflix. And we notice that some of the films are categorised, lumped together in strange, surreal uh, contortions and, and weird groupings. Yeah. Um, so basically, name... do what Cosmo does in Singing in the Rain, but with film titles, don't they? Exactly. So the name of the game is: we each get given three films, and they belong in one category. So, for example, Chris's, I've got three films for Christopher this this month. All three of these films are in the same category on Netflix. That's so you can find them under the same title. And these films are all readily available on Netflix. Yeah, well, yeah, aren't they? yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if you if you if you if you're curious, go have a look. So my three for you this month are Eddie the Eagle. Okay. Should we do? Are we going one a piece, or are we going to give all three now? I'll give you all three because they're all in the same. Okay, fair enough. Because they're all together. Titanic and The Shawshank Redemption. Well, I've broken them down into categories perhaps they could be found in, so I haven't given you one unifying. So, right. for Eddie the Eagle, I thought Great Britain's In Terror Bang, <laughs> and 2012 Never Forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> for Shawshank Redemption, I've got <laughs> Pipe Dreams, Pipe Dreams, which is a joke that I think only you will find funny. <laughs> Pipe Dreams. What other films are in there? <laughs> La La Land. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Pipe Dreams. This is this is for this is for our Seth Rogen fans. Shit films. <laughs> Third category it could be found in. You don't even call me Godfather. <laughs> and IMDb or not to be. That is the question. <laughs> I like the fact they could be very. They could realistically be a category on Netflix just called shit films. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a lot we've discussed. They, they could all be in that category. And finally, Titanic. Yeah. Ice, Ice Baby. 
Planking a Survival's Guide, and my personal favourite, films starring Barbara Streisand. (laughs) 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 What a damning indictment. A little callback to Dad's describing films, perhaps there. (laughs) Right, okay. Right, we'll got, I'm glad we got to the point where we're putting in jokes into the podcast. It's meta. Now. It's, it's Damien Chazelle. It's, it's Hollywood. Hey, who cares? It's right. nostalgic. Right. So they are in one so unifying category. These three films are all in the same billion-dollar movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have no idea. Um, yeah, the Eddie the Eagle budget was way, way off. I think Eddie the Eagle was fairly well received when it came out. It's Taron Egerton, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, obviously the most popular film of all time on IMDb. Titanic made two point something billion. Critically acclaimed films? It's not. It's not critically acclaimed films. I have another stab. Cool films. <laughs> cool films. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I'll have one more go. Um, You're never going to get it, by the way. This is an r- absurd category for these three films to be. I don't know why these three films are in this category. Um, I can't even begin to imagine. Date movies. No, no, three and you're out. So you know how Netflix will, once you've watched a film, it'll sort of tell you, you know, it'll say like... Because you've watched. Because you've watched, it'll give you this list. <laughs> <laughs> These three films are in a list under, entitled, Because You Watched Gone Girl. <laughs> you watched Gone Girl? Eddie the Eagle? Yeah. What is that? I can maybe understand Shawshank. I'll forgive Titanic... <laughs> But not Eddie the Eagle. Do you, know, do you want to know some others that are on the list? I'd love to know. Jingle All The Way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, I can get that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh yeah, because you watched Gone Girl, Jingle All The Way. You'll, yeah. you'll love Jingle All The Way, that Lani Christmas film that no one liked from a few years ago. Right, okay, um, let's move on to your ones. Okay, I'll give yeah. you, uh, yours aren't in one unifying category. Oh, okay. So I'll give you them one after the other. Right. Okay. So the first one is not suitable for children. I'd never heard of this no, beforehand. No, and I had to look it up. Apparently, it's about a playboy who finds that he's a you know he's, he's in his fertility is a ticking time bomb, so he wants to go and procreate as much as humanly possible before that comes to an end. This is also in shit films. <laughs> no, it's because you watch Gone Girl. Because you watch Gone Girl. <laughs> it's the um, prequel to Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Suitable for children, Playboy that finds out he's infertile. Yeah. I think it's important to note for the payoff, I'm going to give you Chekhov's gun here, which is, this is a film that I had to look up, and so did you, before we even knew what it was. And I like to think both of us are film buffs. Is it films no one else would show? (laughs) What, other than Netflix? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I like to think that there is this kind of like, this uh, almost like Scarface-style director of Netflix who just blows money... When, like Poundland Netflix films. Netflix will literally show anything. anything. No, that's a great that's a great category. No. Uh not not suitable for children. Playboy. It's gotta I mean it's gotta be, I mean, by the sounds of it, it's one of these like American pie style comedies. Presumably. You know, very like you know, laddish. Probably, you know... But it's about a man trying to bang as many yeah, women as gonna, possible. Yeah, there's going to be booze and boobs and fart jokes. In yeah, is that a category? Is that the category? Is it boobs <laughs> and booze no, and fart jokes? No, I think it'd be brilliant. <laughs> no. Do you want one more go? <sighs> wacky... No, we don't... How many times have we suggested wacky, wacky comedies? comedies? Is there a category for wacky comedies? Probably. There should be. 
Uh, is it wacky? I don't know if this is a wacky comedy. This might be a heartbreaking <laughs> fertility film. I was going to say, I could be going down the wrong thing entirely. It could be a drama in the, in the you know, in, in the, you know, finding... Um... You'll never get it. Critically acclaimed romance. No. Critically acclaimed, Critically acclaimed romance. romance. The, fil- the, film <laughs> on, the film on Rotten Tomatoes is at 88%. It sounds dreadful. It's only at 17 reviews. It came out... 17, I mean, that's... It shouldn't even be out yet by its release date. It's the 14th of January 2017. Its DVD release, release date was the 16th of April 2013. It might well be a foreign language film from what I can see here. Uh, perhaps, if you've seen it, podcast at com. <laughs> its genre, according to Rotten Tomatoes, Dan, is dra- drama, romance, art, house and international comedy. So, it, you know, it must be... I from, mean, I, we were going off the IMDb the description. That, that makes it sound... Also in that, although it's got 88% critical score, it's flicks the user rating is 53%, so maybe more in line with what we're, we're stabbing at. Okay. Right, your second film. One? So, the second film, mm-hmm. Bobby Fischer Against the World. Uh, Bobby Fischer was the chess master. Mm. This is not a follow-up to Scott Pilgrim. I was hoping... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be a category. Films not <laughs> a follow-up <laughs> to Scott Pilgrim. Not to be confused with. Yeah. <laughs> Films that aren't actually superhero films. <laughs> yeah, is the yeah. yeah, is that Superman? No, it's Bobby Fischer, internationally acclaimed chess player. Against the world, yeah. only he can save us. Bobby Fischer against the world. Now, I mean, I don't know much about Bobby Fischer. I mean, I think he was a. Uh, he was a chess player. Intri- he was a chess player, and he was an intriguing character. I don't think there was ever a point in his life where he actually played the entire world against <laughs> in a game of chess. <laughs> Games that have got out of control. <laughs> film titles more exciting than the subject matter of the film. <laughs> yeah, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think Eddie the Eagle might actually end up into that category as well. Uh, uh, no. Well, it's, uh, so uh, I still think my favourite is is that one <laughs> film. <laughs> Games that have got radically out of control. Him actually playing the world at chess. Yeah, Iran to. Uh, <laughs> Queenside Rook, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump versus the world. <laughs> That's what it's going to come down to, a game of chess. So, Boy Fisher against the world. Uh, yeah, the less successful sequel to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Um, it's a documentary, right? It is. You're very close. Is it? Is it sporting documentaries? It is a... Consider chess as... Oh. It's historical documentaries. So you're documentary. very, very, very okay. close there. Very, very close. Okay. Right, um, <laughs> the final one, and this is a bit of a doozy, to be perfectly honest with you, Dan, yep. is the ABCs of Death 2. <laughs> the ABCs of Death 2. The ABCs of Death, so there was a film, yeah, they made a second a fi- film. A ABC of Death 1 presumably was so popular that it ended up now, spawning a sequel. I've actually heard of the ABCs of Death. I didn't realise it made a sequel, but okay. the ABCs of Death actually does have an interesting an interesting premise. I, de- I never saw the execution. Wasn't there a Poirot story called The ABC of Death or something the like ABC that? The ABC Murders. Oh, okay, fair enough. Thing. Yeah. Totally different concept. Yeah. <laughs> the ABCs of Death, well, the premise I hear was very good. I don't know if the execution was entirely amazing, but I believe, if, I'm, if I remember correctly, it was, it's an it's a anthology film. Okay. There are 26 <laughs> short stories oh. in the film, oh, cool. all directed by different... Horror director. Oh, that actually interests me now. So I they have taken the mickey out of it. They give so 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 the the a so the film at the beginning is around the letter A. So the director has to create a horror film around the letter A in some way. I don't know. I mean, I've never seen it, so I don't know what they actually ended up doing. But I'd love to see each letter 
So obviously that was something. I mean, I, presumably the execution was very good. It's a serial warrant, killer named Andrew. <laughs> to, to warrant a second version of second film, follow-up sequel. Yeah. Um, what they do, the Ro- <laughs> Roman numerals in this one, or <laughs> the Greek alphabet. The Greek or... alphabet. He sees a death too. So, I, I mean, I'm guessing I'm going to fall back on, like, it's got to be some sort of obscure horror genre category. It is in horror genre, yeah. Yeah, so I, uh, is it slasher films? Nope. Is it... Keep going. Gruesome horror films. You're close, but no cigar. Don't worry about... Don't think about horror, horrific adjectives. Think about more film adjectives. You've got horror, I'll give you that. So you've got horror as the, as the second word. So oh, think okay. of what type of horror film this could be. Oh, the fact that we haven't seen it, haven't really heard about it, or you've got spurious information... <laughs> might Wacky well. horror. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie the Eagle. Uh, it's cult horror. Cult horror. Cult horror. Okay, cult yeah. horror. Oh, that makes sense. So all six of those are readily available on streaming services. Netflix yes. agories. Netflix agories. And Netflix. yet again, we've made more than your ice stream. <laughs> <laughs> Right, housekeeping. We don't have a jingle for that. No, never have, never will. No. Uh, there's a lot going on the website. We are the official podcast for OneRoomWithAView.com, so go and check that out. There's lots of features, chief of which, uh, the most popular of which, I should say, have been the site top ten, of which we both contributed an yes. essay for. Uh, you contributed number four, Dan, for... Yes, Room, which... Um, what was your favourite film? If anyone's you? listened to our top ten podcast... Uh, yeah, Room was my top film last year. And I contributed to, to number six, which was The Neon Demon, which was my favourite film of last year. So check both of those out. The rest of the essays are all up. Ten contributors from the site. And number one has been written by our editor, Mr David Brake, and that's for Arrival, um, which was the site's official most favourite film of last year. Yes. But there's dozens of things that are going on at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, all, the sure. content is, as always, A-grade material. And as Christopher mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we are now upping our output. To... <laughs> we're working beyond we're upping, our talent. We're upping everything. And we are going to be... Uh, there'll be a podcast available every... Couple of weeks. Every fortnight from now on. In addition to our main, this being the main podcast where we look at a, a new release and compare it to an old release and also throw in a few games and small sections. Uh, there'll be another podcast out two weeks after that, which will look at... It's going to be one whole segment, yeah, isn't it? It's more going to be sort a of specific. Because yeah. we were thinking that things like the debates always end up being cut loose because we obviously have got our spinal, something old, something new. So that's the thinking behind that. So our next podcast will be available in a couple of weeks and it's centred around a great debate. Yes, but for more stuff, for, for something old, something new and, and Dad's describing films and which Dan said this, all of that stuff, all that goodness, join us again in a month's time. Absolutely. Final thing as well, I will say to you, I have managed to source all four Scorpion Kings Ah, and I'm going to watch them in a marathon. I've decided that instead of pecking at them, I'm going to deliver maybe next month, maybe the month after that. Maybe we'll do a separate podcast for it. I'm going to go above and beyond and I'm going to try and watch all four films back to back. So that's something to look out for. In well, the next I'm actually going to have to look back and see if that wasn't indeed my it first It might well challenge. have been. I'm like me trying, just falling on just, my sword. Make the one like, room with a view show great again. <laughs> <laughs> so join us again soon for that. What uh, a hashtag. Have you enjoyed yourself, Dan? I think it's been pretty good. Uh, I have. It's been good to come back. It's the first show of the year. Absolutely. So we'll see you for the great debate shortly. Cheerio.